pleasure it is to welcome CISPRO to What's Next. And we've uh, had two conversations already, and this is part three. Franz Kuman, who is the sales solutions architect for CISPRO Africa, joins us for this one. We're going to be talking about manufacturing and distribution. It's such a critical part of any ERP system. Uh, great to see you, Franz, and uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks, Aki. Nice to be here. It's a great pleasure to have you. And uh, I mean, this is such an interesting one, and I'm so passionate about manufacturing and distribution. Um, and when you look at demand planning and, and forecasting, and, and if, you, if you look at the, the, the pandemic and, and, and the, the, the problems that it caused in the initial part of the pandemic, when you, know, you just couldn't forecast and the demand was massive as well. When you talk about demand planning and forecasting, are are they're very essential aren't they within a successful manufacturing process and if you get that wrong it can cause all sorts of disruptions so can erp systems improve these processes and make them more efficient okay i mean if you if you you know neither you or me are young men anymore you know if we cast our minds back a little bit you know I mean, when we started off in business, you know, a forecast was something that was done on a, on a whiteboard in the sales office, um, you know, and the, the problem with that modality is that the world has changed um, and we're having to be a lot more agile and kind of reactive to what's going on. Um, and I think what we're seeing now, especially around customers with, with large kind of distributed warehousing and supply chains, is that they have to have that universal view of what's going on. So um, I'm working with a customer at the moment who's got warehouse all over the country. They've got a warehouse in Bloemfontein and the warehouse manager in Bloemfontein is not that computer literate. So he's not that keen to, to kind of get involved. So he sends through one forecast a year. So that just creates havoc in that supply chain because now you've got this massive bubble of stock that needs to now move to Bloemfontein once a year. So they've just been able to, within, with the CISPRO as an underlying ERP system, just being able to centralize that function. So now they have a single view, all stock across the country, and they can model the stock independently and go and say, well, you know, winter demand in Cape Town is not the same as winter demand for the same product in Joburg. So they can do that modeling around that. And, you know, we'll get to the pandemic in a moment, but you know, if you just look at what that adds as, as value and be able to say, okay, well, we now have a consolidated view. We can see history. We can look at trends. We can look at seasonality. So all of those things are great to have. So we can build a meaningful forecast. Um, but as the pandemic has taught us, anything we know about the forecast for sure is that it's going to be wrong. It's just how wrong is that forecast going to be? So then it speaks to, okay, how agile are we as an organization? If that demand now disappears in Bloemfontein, um, how agile are we to be able to move that stock to where there is demand? Um, if a supply chain is disrupted, how can we have some insight into that? How reactive are we about sourcing from alternate suppliers? So it then raises those kind of questions. And that's another area where an ERP system like CISPRO is hugely powerful in being able to react very quickly. See, okay, we've got something here that is outside the norm of what we expected. What are we going to do about it? So those are some of the kind of benefits of 
having your forecasting and your sales data pushing through into a single view um, so that you can have a look at that and make your plans. Um, and when the plans don't pan out, um, you can still be reactive to what is in truth happening in the business. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Almost like uh, like like shining this massive spotlight, right? Uh, and you get a you get a it, it clears up a lot of the darkness, and you you're able to see a lot more further and make those important decisions. And I think it's such an important point you just made. I mean, we touched on the pandemic, and I mean, distribution organisations face numerous challenges, such as inventory management, for example supply chain disruption, which can have really serious consequences and knock-on effects. And in what ways can an ERP system help these kind of businesses overcome these challenges that we're talking about and also maintaining a smooth operation at the same time? Yeah, Aki, there's a very famous economist called Nassim Taleb. He's written a couple of books. One of them is The Black Swan. The other one is fooled by randomness. And we kind of trapped in that paradigm of, of you know, we we like a turkey. You know, we get fed every morning and we think life's great and we're going to carry, be carry on fed every morning till that morning where it's Christmas and the farmer's not coming to feed us anymore. So <laughs> we stuck in that paradigm where business is normal until it's not. Um, and forecasting and ERP systems will, will are extremely good at predicting normal. But when we get to the abnormal, we then, our vulnerabilities are exposed. And if we have supply chain vulnerabilities, they get very heavily exposed, as we've seen. And I read in the, in the, in the paper yesterday that uh, China's now also got load shedding. So I don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> what? China? Really? Yeah. So they have got load shedding. So what this is now doing to supply chains is radical. You know, if, as if COVID wasn't bad enough where they didn't have a labor force. Now they've got load shedding. So the, our supply chains are hugely disrupted. And what we're seeing with, with CISPRO is that tools for many, many years around modeling different supply chain scenarios and doing kind of procurement policies and saying, okay, if I have a critical strategic item that I need to go and procure, let me go and apply a more robust policy to that item where I have multiple suppliers and maybe suppliers in multiple geographic areas or locations around the globe and set these policies so that the system can automatically share orders among those suppliers, it can round robin those suppliers, and it can kind of distribute my risk. Um, because that's really what's been exposed here is how at risk we are because of our single source on a supply chain. And we've seen a lot of customers bringing manufacturing back on shore as well, which we're very happy about because we're kind of very manufacturing focused and we're loving that. Um, but yeah, in essence, um, you know, the systems do allow us to be more robust. And we spoke about it earlier. You know, when things start going wrong, if you have an ERP system, it highlights that very quickly because we have a norm. We established a norm of what we thought was going to happen. That is not happening. So an ERP system like CISPRO highlights that immediately and says, well, we've got a problem here. Anyway, so enough on that question. Yeah, no, no. Um, and, and of course, you know, the different scenarios, you just mentioned load shedding and that impact that it could have as well. So, I mean, different manufacturing and distribution organizations will have varying processes and needs in accordance with factors 
such as uh, size and industry, for example, how can organizations be sure that the ERP system they implement is appropriate for their specific business? Is there a one size fits all, for example? No, there's not. Um, you know, to a certain extent, if you're a small organization, you can kind of have an off the shelf ERP system that will do 80% of what you want it to do. And you kind of can fiddle the rest manually with spreadsheets and, and kind of make a plan. Uh, but as soon as businesses reach a certain scale, um, that becomes a massive risk and vulnerability because typically you've got one guy or lady managing that spreadsheet. And if something happens to them, that whole part of your business process collapses. Yeah. So there's vulnerability in that. And we see businesses that as they're maturing, they start talking to us and saying, well, we can't really get by anymore with off the shelf. We, we've got certain things that we do as standard, but we've also got parts of our business which are highly specialized. And that is our unique kind of competitive advantage. And it always is. It's like, what makes you unique? And it's typically the stuff that you do that is not kind of standard. So we need to be aware of that. And I, I you know, I, I also feel that um, when I look at different industries, um, you know, we're not in the service game. You know, if you're in the service industry or your government, we don't we don't specialize there. We, we like to specialize in, in manufacturing and distribution businesses that are complex. Um, and I, I think that there's horses for courses around ERP systems, definitely. And um, we, we typically are speaking to people who have growth pains um, and they're saying, well, out the box is not working anymore because we're doing most of the stuff on spreadsheets, we need a, a system that gives us more scope, gives us more, more flexibility. And then even further than that, you know, you want to look at, we're very focused on certain verticals and saying, okay, well, food and beverage, metal fabrication, um, electronics. So those are all kind of areas that have complex requirements in manufacturing and distribution. So we tend to gravitate towards those and we specialize in those. So yes, that is a, an issue around specialization and choosing the right ERP system because otherwise you're going to have to panel beat what you've got to do something it was never really built to do. Yeah, and it's the last thing you want to do because then it adds all sorts of other complexity to your operations. When you look at the, the biggest mistakes that you see out there, I mean, what, what would be some of those biggest mistakes you see organizations make with regards to ERP implementation? And I guess, how, how can these be avoided is the question. Sure. Yeah, you know, okay, we've now been implementing ERP systems for, you know, close on 40 years, you know. So we've learned a fair amount about how to do it and how to do it properly at Cispro. And I think one of the big lessons we've, we've learned around it is, is twofold. First of all, is around the scope of what needs to be done and, and being very clear up front and saying, this is the scope of what has to happen and, and defining that very clearly and saying, okay, well, this is how we're going to run our business and these are the processes we need. And that's a fairly linear kind of you know, process and well-defined in, in most project methodologies. So I don't see many issues around that. In the early days, that was a big issue of defining scope properly. Where we are now, my feeling is more towards uh, prioritization of tasks and saying, you know, um, choose your battles in, in simple layman's terms. It's saying, 
we have got a thousand processes in this business. Which one of those processes are the most important, deliver the most value, define us as an organization, speak to our purpose as an organization, speak to our competitive advantage as an organization? Which are those processes? And focus on those. And then the fact that the invoice is blue and not red, you know, is less of an issue. And, and understanding that, and what we often see is the power brokers in a business on, are around an implementation um, might not be aligned with the purpose of the business and the competitive advantage the business is seeking to execute on. So those for me are, are the big challenges around this. And then you've also got where we are now in our kind of modern world. You know, we don't speak to someone who's never had an ERP system. You know, they, that just doesn't happen anymore. So typically, they're dragging a whole lot of legacy data with them. Mm. Um, it's also then prioritization time and saying, do we need to bring all this data in? Because that is an almost indeterminable amount of time that you need to then allocate to that and saying, well, sure, okay, we now thought we were going to do a three-month project. It's now turning into a three-year project because we're now having to bring all this legacy data in. We've got to scrub it. We've got to clean it up and make it meaningful. So those are the kind of, and let's call them three then main issues around this thing. Um, on, you know, it's defining scope, prioritization, and then beware legacy data. Yeah, and pretty systematic, you know, just follow the process and, uh, you know, you will you will have a, a system implemented that uh, will have almost zero problems. I mean, obviously, you're going to tailor things along the way as well. How do we manage uh, stock, for example, in, in really a complex distribution chain to make the invisible visible? And I, I guess that's such a it's such a fine line, right? I mean, there's such a skill in doing that. How do you do it? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're also struggling with that from a, a system design point, you know, saying um, we want more visibility. So we've got visibility typically inside our business. So an ERP system like Cispro gives you great visibility in your, in your business. But what we're really looking at is in, is that visibility throughout the entire supply chain and saying, you know, we're putting a lot of emphasis in development around customer and supplier portals and saying, we want to extend out into our kind of downstream into our suppliers and saying, this is what my future demand looks like. Um, how's your ability to execute? Are you going to be on time with your orders? Um, having that visibility. And then likewise, going upstream into my customers as well and saying, uh, you know, you know, uh, what is the forecast? The forecast I have for you, is it accurate? Have there been any changes in your market conditions that are going to impact on me? And having that visibility going up and down that are outside of my typical kind of parameters of my business, um, because that's kind of the low-hanging fruit is, the transactions that are in my business obviously have visibility of, but it's the idea of extending that. So we're doing a lot of work in that area um, around a, a supply chain portals, both for customers and suppliers to give us that visibility um, and to make the invisible visible. And I think that also almost leads us onto a discussion around um, you know, the role of, of machine learning and artificial intelligence that we're seeing in ERP systems now. Yeah. And 
you talk about the invisible. Um, you, know, you know, for years and years, we've had data and we've had kind of linear reporting on data and saying, okay, well, based on historical sales, what does my future sales look like? It's not that simple anymore because there are a lot of external factors that are now playing into this. Um, and we see it in the way that we executing on AI and CISPRO has got a machine learning engine built in and we're seeing how customers are deploying this engine now and saying they're deploying it in three main areas. The first is that prediction area. So the prediction area is critical in that we can do linear predictions and we've always done linear predictions in, in kind of mathematical predictions. But what machine learning does, it says, Let's extend that. Let's look further than just the historical sales data. Let's look at market conditions. Let's look at climatic conditions. Let's look at the weather. Um, and let's bring that data in to giving us a more comprehensive view of what the future might look like. So the prediction engine um, inside CISPRO can point at multiple data sources. It's not just the ERP data. There might be exchange rate data. There might be in the agricultural food industry, there's harvest information, there's weather information, there's crop information. Um, so there's a lot of data we need to take into account and CISPRO allows us to do that. So we're seeing that happening and that's a very exciting space. The other part of AI, the three main parts we're seeing, so that's the prediction side. The other part is categorization and saying, okay, based on a whole heap of data, this item, is it hugely profitable for me or not? And that might change based on product mix, for example. So you can then apply an AI engine to a whole mix of products that you're currently selling and saying, based on this mix of product, is this profitable or not profitable? Based on how far I need to deliver this product, is it profitable, not profitable? Based on any payment terms or the customer's a bad debtor of mine. So is it still profitable if I sell this item to this customer? So those are the questions that are being asked of an AI engine and we, where we're deploying it. Um, and uh, funny, I also had a customer the other day said, Franz, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> and that's so, so, so Franz, all of this kind of stuff is, is, is baked in. You're baking this intelligence into the existing systems, you know, with the big data, yeah. for example. I mean, as you were talking, I was recalling back, I think it was last year. Remember that massive container ship got stuck in the Suez Canal? Uh, and I mean, if you had that intelligence and your artificial intelligence with the big data you're putting in could work out what the impact would be on your business. I mean, that's really useful. 100%. And, and that's what we're doing. Okay, so the whole a couple of bits and pieces coming together from a technology point of view right now. So it's that kind of AI stuff where it's going to say, listen, we, we've in the day in this big data we're looking at, we've picked up the following thing. What, what do we then really do with it? That's the next question that at system we need to answer saying, okay, we figured out we, we've got this thing happening. What do we do? How do we leverage it? How do we manage our risk? If it's risk, if it's an opportunity, how do we leverage it? So we've built a rules engine that can leverage that, that AI data. And for example, um, we use it for anomaly detection. So we've got an AI algorithm that looks at anomalies. You can point it at anything. Let's take a purchase order. Someone raising a purchase order for an item that normally costs 100 grand. Now the supplier is a mate of his and I, he's wants to put the item in and, and raise a 
purchase order for 150 Rand for the same item. There's an anomaly happening here, and you can track that. And we always have tracked that on a percentage basis and that, but now we just go and throw, a whole, throw it against a whole bulk of data or a whole load of data. And the system automatically works out what's an anomaly. And it could be an anomaly based on a number of things, not the, just the price. It could be an anomaly on the time of year you're placing the order. Mm. Um, it's an anomaly on you know, the, uh, the quantum of the order. So it does all of these. And then the question is, of what now? So we've got an anomaly. What do we do? So then we use a rules engine saying, do we stop the transaction? Do we let the transaction go through? Do we notify someone about this transaction? Do we send it to someone? Do we put it on hold and send it to someone for a review? So then we get into a responsive mode and say, okay, now what do we do? And now, and that's really where you get the business benefit. But yeah, it's fine having the data, the big data. We analyze the data, but then so what? What do we do with it? Um, and that's where a rules engine kind of dovetails into that. We notify, we can take business decisions based on that, like the Suez Canal issue. All of a sudden, you've got 10 containers that are now late. So now we've got to go like, oh, okay, those products that are now late, what, what, what raw materials do they impact on? On what finished product are now going to be late? How does that impact my uh, production schedule? So, you know, those ramifications are huge. Um, but with this type of rules engine built in, we can start answering those questions. Absolutely fascinating, fascinating insights. Franz Kuman, the sales solutions architect for CISPRO Africa. Thank you so much for joining us on What's Next. Pleasure. Thank you, Aki. Cheers.